What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast Short Shifts Edition. I'm your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me for the first time in a while, Elon Dubrowski. Elon, my pal, my friend, my guy, how are you on this fine, fine Tuesday evening? Oh, I've been waiting to hear you say that to me for a long time, Ben. I'm doing great. <laughs> Excited to come on Short Shifts, talk some fantasy. I just did a show with Brian a couple days ago, and I just felt like we almost covered everything. There's still got to be a little bit left. And that's where we got a good 20-minute show coming, and I'm really excited about the slate of guys we have to talk about today. It's an exciting slate, Elon. I appreciate you saying that. And uh, yeah, I mean, you must be raring to go. You, you only gave, what, two hours of takes two days ago? So you must have uh, several more hours by now banked up. Well, the thing that I love is on short shifts, you're going to be the one that's going to be asking me the questions. You know, instead of me having to ask questions to Brian, he gives his opinion. And every once in a while, I go like, ah, maybe I respectfully disagree. And most of the time, I'm like, yeah, good point. And that's it. Now I get to be the one to say the things that you'll say I respectfully disagree. Or maybe you'll even not so respectfully disagree. I guess we'll have to see how bad you think my takes are. But I'm excited to talk about it. I guess what are we going to start with? The Red Wings, right? Who I'm seeing now, Arizona's now up four to one. So I'm excited to uh, dig into this not-so-exciting return from our friend Jakob Verana. Ooh, you know you wanna, Elon. Let's talk Jakob Verana back in red and white, um, playing his first game of the 2021-22 season tonight, and uh, starting out on a second line with Tyler Bertuzzi and Pew Suter, uh, while Robbie Fabry gets that top-line assignment with Larkin and Raymond. Uh, Verona also practicing on power play two. It looks like Robbie Fabry with the goal for uh, Detroit so far, too. So nice little start to him in that line one power play one deployment. Uh, last year, Verona had 11 points in 11 games with Detroit after the trade from Washington. But that was mainly with top line usage. I guess I'm wondering, Elon, how high do you think Verona can fly when he spreads those wings? <laughs> I mean, I would preach caution like yeah he had that good start last year and I do want to say also that just because these are the lines today doesn't mean that these lines are going to stick in mm -hmm. fact uh, you mentioned Fabry's goal that was the only goal they've scored so far we're only in the second period Arizona scored four so it's not as if this is a very successful deployment situation so far so maybe things will even get shaken up by the time we're done recording this podcast Oof. so yeah I mean maybe he gets back on the top line oh Matt wow now it's five to one okay so maybe he gets <laughs> back on the top line uh, by the way so uh, Nedeljkovic now pulled Ben I gotta tell you I'm just going to do a quick little sidetrack here, uh -huh. but Nedeljkovic got dropped in the Cupful Tier 1 Sweden a couple days ago or yesterday, so he only goes off waivers tomorrow, and I was already thinking to myself, I really could use a second goalie. All season I've needed a second goalie. I've got Kemper and then nobody, and I was thinking how much fab should I put down for Nedeljkovic, and now I'm wondering if maybe I'll just... Because uh, I actually grabbed uh, Vemelka just for today's game, and they're playing each other, and in this audition, it's definitely looking like Vemelka is the more successful one so far. But again, this is a lot of commenting on a game that that's one period in. Okay, Jakob Verana. Here's my opinion. I think that he has some upside, and I think he could easily get back on the Larkin line soon. That said, he also has downside. We've, saw, we've seen Anthony Mantha, the guy who he was traded for, go to Washington and kind of disappointed. He also, if you recall, scored like a goal in his first four games with his new team, and it seemed like what a slam dunk guy. But then he sort of settled into the background as like more of a secondary player. And I'm not saying that Verana and Mantha are the same player, even though they were traded in a one-for-one. -one. He's just someone that like, I, you know, if he was a free agent, I'd be interested to give him a try. 
but he's not someone that I'm like so sure. Like you have to like rush to grab him because he's going to be a for sure like point per game superstar or anything like that. So I don't know how helpful that is. If I had to put a number on him, I'd say like a 60-ish point guy is probably what I'd predict for the rest of the season. I will say not a one-for-one one trade. There were a couple draft picks going back oh, okay. uh, in that <laughs> deal. Bad. But um, regardless, I, I think that your point is well taken. I will say that I, I agree with you that it's not – there's nothing written in stone with these lines, obviously. Um, I think Verano's a guy who I'm going to be watching closely because I want to see those shots. Uh, I want to see how much time on ice he's getting. But I could very easily see this as a situation similar to Tyler Toffoli, who I have to mention because, you know, I'm contractually obligated to do so, um, that we could see uh, Verana starting slow and almost uh, and being eased back in. Uh, it's kind of funny because we're talking um, we're talking about forwards, but I kind of feel like the most interesting conversation that's been hinted at in this entire segment is the battle of the silent Jays between Vemelka and and Nadelkovich. Like I that that to me is like a more interesting conversation <laughs> than if Arana is going to be good because like we've been waiting for so long and then you know unless he starts to actually put up points, it's like a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, to be honest, the uh, maybe the most interesting thing from this game so far is that Jacob Chikrin has two goals. Why don't we just spend the whole podcast just talking about this game as it develops? Yeah. <laughs> but Chikrin just scored another goal this time against Tomasz Grice, and uh, he has four shots. Chikrin, obviously such a big disappointment this year. We just had a conversation in our Discord server today. Someone posted asking if Chikrin is, like, droppable or, like, should we be excited about him just because he might get traded? And yeah, while the season has been disappointing, he still is taking shots. Like, the thing is, he's taking a lot of shots, just not many of them are going in. And I feel like some players who take a lot of shots even if they don't go in there's the opportunity for a rebound and then someone else you know ends up banking into gold and you get an assist but I feel like on Arizona that just doesn't happen as much unless I guess Nick Schmaltz is on the ice or Clayton Keller so anyways nice to see Chikrin doing something I still think he has the capability to be a valuable player in fantasy though again he's been disappointing yeah I kind of think of him though as like more of a Dougie Hamilton like before he arrived in Carolina or like even his first year in Carolina where they still didn't for whatever reason want to use him on the top power play where like obviously a dynamic player a player who is going to fill those back categories for you but Arizona is almost the perfect place for Chikrin because or prior to this year there was nobody who would really challenge him for top power play usage kind of like a, a Petrangelo uh, prior to him getting that top usage in St. Louis uh, in his last season there where it's just like yeah it's just it's opportunity right it's really good to see him get that opportunity but definitely no guarantee that if he were to get traded to a good team that we would see him get good usage uh in fantasy so yeah i I think that chikrin has value i I think that there are a lot of leagues where i i'm happy to have jacob chikrin on my team but not a guy who i think is maybe top five upside like uh like dougie hamilton a player who i just compared him to yeah for sure like maybe if he ends up himself like in carolina because you know d'angelo was injured Mm -hmm. that would actually be a really nice landing spot wow it's six to one now uh that would be a really nice landing (laughs) spot for uh chicken both for this season while d'angelo's injured and also obviously d'angelo is a ufa next year so if chicken gets traded to carolina maybe d'angelo walks next thing you know we do have basically uh chicken taking over that dougie hamilton spot and everything comes full circle so that would be a really good spot but obviously that's just total speculation who scored this uh, sixth goal yanis moser who had him in there? Timmy's gang picks for the day. Ooh, what a what a nice reference you're bringing up, Elon. You're helping us go full circle. Um, I I don't see Carolina as a likely landing spot for Chikrin just based on money, but uh, yeah. Otherwise, I can see the point and and the excitement there. 
Let's jump over to Florida, though, Elon, and talk about a couple of, I guess, like top nine changes. It's kind of hard to say with Florida because they kind of like the Maple Leafs, where it's like there are some anchor anchor spots on that top six, and then there are a few players who seem to be in and out of the in and out of the wing spots. Um, a guy who you guys were talking about on Sunday, uh, you and Brian on the Mega Show, talking about Mason Marchment on another heater here with three assists in his last game. He's got six points in his last two. Um, but pushed off that top line tonight after Anton Lindell was injured and the Panthers brought in Maxime Mamin. Marchment down to line three, Mamin in on line one. Um, I guess just, I don't know that there's much to say. I guess like where you guys last were with Marchment was he's he was interesting on line three. Of course, he's interesting on line one. Now we're just back to saying, yeah, he's still interesting on line three, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Marchment is the type of player, I think exactly, you nailed it. Like on the show, like he has clearly high upside. We've seen that he could go on these nice runs, but he doesn't have the guaranteed deployment. So at the same time, yeah, I wouldn't drop him necessarily just because uh, Maxime Mamin came back. Because also maybe by the next game, Lundell will come back and they'll go back to the lines that they were rolling before. It's not as if Mamin, let's see here. So uh, he doesn't even have a point. So how good can he be? (laughs) And his his ice time is also definitely don't go out and rush to grab Maxime Mamin. But uh, is that how I also was Mammon, but I guess Mammon. I've been, uh, I, you know, when he doesn't put up points, I actually call him Minamanum. <laughs> Very good. Okay. <laughs> uh, by the way, we talked on the show about how Carter Verhage had sort of slowed down. Uh, so, of course, he was listening, scored a goal yesterday, has an assist today. So, anyone who uh, held on to Carter Verhage, like Brian recommended, uh, you know, you're getting something for it. So, that's nice. When you're playing with Barkov, you're, you're probably going to not stay cold for too long. Barkov, of course, to assist today. All right, Elon, I want to hop on over to L.A. next, and I want to talk about an injury on the second line of L.A., which if you had told me a year ago, I'd be saying we got to talk about the second liner in L.A. who got injured. I bet you would uh, I bet you wouldn't believe that that were that were to happen. But uh, yeah, Victor Arvidsson out doubtful this week, likely to miss a handful of games as a result. And Arvidsson, of course, has found a very productive line uh, playing with Phil Deneau and Trevor Moore. Uh, Trevor Moore, in particular, has been fantastic, posting eight points in the last nine. His average time on ice is trending up over his career and season average, and he's been averaging over three shots per game over that stretch. Uh, do we worry about Deneau and Moore continuing their, I guess, you know, fantasy-relevant play, at least, with Arvidsson out of the lineup, or are we still riding the Moore wave? Hmm, it's a it's an interesting question. Like, because don't forget, Arvidsson is not like you know on the IR or anything. Mm-hmm, like he's yeah. day to day, so maybe he doesn't miss more than a couple of games. At the same time, we're talking about Phil Deneau and Trevor Moore, who have been like great streamers <laughs> throughout the year, and maybe even have been holds for some people for stretches. Mm-hmm. But like, they're both guys that I've had on my fantasy teams throughout the year that I've enjoyed. And then when the schedule didn't work out for me, then I was like quick to drop, and like I didn't have any huge regrets. Even like, yeah, Trevor Moore especially had a couple really good stretches, but even still, like it's not as if, if I saw him in free agency right now, I'd like be like i have to grab him like it's like maybe if he has a good schedule this week la plays i'm just bringing it up here three more uh, times pretty good, i believe yeah three more times so yeah thursday saturday sunday so if people are worried that like arvidson being hurt affects these guys i think potentially if you get three games in four days maybe it can still be good they're playing with now andreas athanasiu who is not as good as victor arvidson but he does have a bit of an offensive uh, upside to him i think defensively is where sometimes they run into problems so i don't know they're like not like super exciting. Maybe they lose a little bit of excitement, but not enough to take away from the fact that if they play three games in four days and you could fit them in your lineup, which is probably the big questionable thing. Because like Thursday, especially, 26 teams are playing. So it's 
very unlikely that you're going to even like if, if they're in free agency, you're not going to have room for them. And if you have Moore or Dano, I doubt you're going to be able to fit them in your lineup unless your team is like pretty weak. Hopefully you have better options to put in. So in that case, maybe you are dropping them, not necessarily because of the Arvidsson injury, but just because maybe you can grab a Wednesday guy or a Friday guy and get some more games, depending on how important your matchup is. But long term, don't worry about it, because after this week, probably Arvidsson will be back. Hopefully. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I think that Trevor Moore is a little interesting to me. While he's at least like playing, he's on this heater. Uh, but somebody who I think is uh, yeah, not a not a must hold. Especially, I will say, Elon, as we get closer to the the fantasy playoffs, I'm much less concerned about like m- making the wrong add or drop. Um, mainly because like if Trevor Moore winds up having like a really solid rest of the season, it's kind of a it's kind of like inconsequential, right? Like it's like, oh, over eight games, I missed out on whatever, nine points by Trevor Moore. That's that's much worse than like if you drop a guy in October who winds up having like a 70-point season when you ex- you drafted him expecting 55. You know what I mean? Like the, the margin is, is less consequential, I feel like, at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. I really will be surprised if Trevor Moore ends up being like the top free agent the rest of the year if he's <laughs> available right now. Like he might be decent. And I think, yeah, he's the type of guy who at this point of the season, if you're in like a weekly head-to-head league with like a certain number of ads per week, which is how the Keeping Cross and Ultra Patron Fantasy League works, you're playing the schedule a lot with these bottom roster guys. And I consider him a bottom of the roster guy, not like someone that I like need to be holding at all times and making sure that I hold him like even on days when he can't even fit into my lineup. Coming up, Elon, we're going to talk about a couple of goalies who may be available to uh, to add to your roster heading into the playoff season, and a, uh, a defenseman that I was able to find on the Tier 1 Cacupful waiver wire who has been hot, hot, hot lately. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. And uh, Elon, I guess, uh, you know what, I'm going to start with the defenseman. I I mentioned him before the break, and I got to talk about my boy, Mikhail Sergachev in Tampa Bay, who has been absolutely fantastic for me since adding him up off the waiver wire in tier one of the Keeman Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. I'm basically uh, doing this bit where I, I, I... pretend to be Elon. I'm cosplaying as you talking about my cupful team right now. Um, but over the last 10 games, Sergachev has put up nine points, uh, shooting five over five shots a game in four of those games, um, hitting, blocking, doing all the things that we love from Mikhail Sergachev, all of that from the second power play unit, and also seeing some time on ice uptick. I guess I'm wondering, Elon, what do, what do you think about Mikhail Sergachev? It, this kind of feels like his MO to me, you know, popping off for 10, 15 game stretches and then going cool for a little bit. But I don't know if he's on the waiver wire and, he, and he's playing this hot. I definitely would be uh, I, I would be recommending folks grab him. I mean, yeah, for sure, he's not the typical guy you see in free agency. I was surprised when he was dropped in tier one of the cupful. I wanted to grab him, but it was one of these situations where Tampa wasn't playing for long stretches. They had that terrible schedule, and obviously you had the like wherewithal inside of you to be like, I don't even care if I lose some games. Maybe you were in a matchup that was already like over, like either you were ahead by a lot or behind by a lot. I don't know your circumstances, but you made a smart <laughs> move. Now you're reaping the benefits. I will say that I don't think Mikhail Sergachev is, like, super different. Like, I think that he's still, like, you know, the second power play guy, and he's still, you know, 
you know, he plays a lot of minutes, like you say. He, he's going to get you some peripherals. Like, I think he's a solid 40 to 45-point defenseman. I don't think that's, like, changed. Maybe upside of, like, towards 50 points. Also, if you look at the teams that he's been putting up these big games against recently, you know, he had a goal and two assists against Chicago, and he scored a goal against Detroit, and he scored a goal against Ottawa. Uh, he had a couple assists against Edmonton, if I were to guess. I would say that Mike Smith was probably in net for that game. <laughs> so, like, uh, and New Jersey. Like, all these games where he's getting points are, uh, I'm seeing just, like, the game log are games against against weak teams and I'm not like he's good like he's solid but I just think that this that this that kind of stretch of the schedule might help inflate someone's numbers like Tampa's just been scoring a lot of goals lately and you know once they start playing your your Florida's and your Toronto's and whatever maybe then he starts going back to what we're used to but well no one time, can score good on, on Toronto's goalies Elon that's oh know, that's a good point that's yeah, a maybe that was a bad <laughs> I should have just said Igor Shostyorkin and when they go. go against Shostyorkin I don't know if he's going to be able to do something yeah. which uh I mean might have to be before the playoffs before we see that fortunately um, yeah, I think that I think this is a situation where you want to ride the hot hand, but definitely, um, yeah, I, I agree with you that it's going to be tough to uh, it's going to be tough to find him on waiver wires. I guess it's more of a thing of just like advising folks not to not to sell like uh, too low. I guess if you're if somebody wants to buy it on that hot streak, you can uh, you can sell Sergachev for a power play one defenseman who's likely to put up 60 plus points. But I agree with you probably like 50, 45, 50 points is, is the most that I would expect pace wise uh, until the rest of the season. Yeah, he's got 31 points in 52 games now. That's like after this hot streak. That's where he's mm-hmm. landed, which is still less than a 50-point pace. So I don't expect his pace to end up higher than it is right now. Like I think where he is now in terms of his season total pace that would be nice if he can hold it. And I think it's definitely possible. But like you're saying, if you could get like up towards of a, you know, top power play, like 55 plus point defense, I'd for sure be making that swap. If you can like swap him based on like him getting goals against Chicago and Detroit, like I said. Well, but like also too, Sergachev's numbers aren't unsustainable in, in a season long sense. So I, I don't know, like to, to some degree, I feel like it's a, uh, you're going to have cold stretches, you're going to have hot stretches. And if you look at the full season numbers, it it seems pretty sustainable. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Sergachev, you know, being a 50 to 55 point defenseman just on such a good team. Kind of like, honestly, like kind of a Devon Taves situation. Obviously, I'm not trying to say that he's a Norris level defenseman, similarly to Devon Taves, but certainly on a team that's good enough to put up a ton of goals when he's on the ice, uh, talented enough to to factor into a fair amount of goals more than the average defenseman at even strength, still only 23 years old. So yeah, I, I think that uh, Sergachev could be a guy who, you know, you can still draft even though you know he's never going to be the top power play guy while Victor Hedman is roaming the ice uh, as, you know, the clear best defenseman in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, I will just respectfully disagree, I guess, sure. and say that I think that where he is now at his 49-point pace, I think that's the ceiling as far as I don't think of him as like a 55-point defenseman. I look at his shots. I know you you pointed out a couple big shot games. Again, I will point out that those were against Chicago, Detroit, uh, and most of those other games, aside from those couple, where you're seeing zeros and ones also. So overall in the season, he's less than two shots per game. Anyways, what he's doing now, I don't disagree that what he's doing so far on the season overall is sustainable. I agree with that, but I don't see like further upside beyond that. that that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I guess like when I say that, what I mean is that like every player has a range of outcomes based on like their likely uh, percentages. And like 
what it seems to me based on looking at his underlyings is that like this 49 point pace is actually like fairly solid and so if he were to go on an unsustainable run for a longer period of time like the you know we're we're agreeing that he's not a point per game guy but if he were to be able to like put up uh you know eight points over his next 12 like that wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world anyway true, i don't think that we true, have for sure we have a lot to to add that is uh that's beyond this i, I think that we're probably mainly uh like 99 percent on the same page about mikhail circuit <laughs> yeah i think we definitely are and it's just fun to chat and debate things always Always. Uh, well, let's talk about a couple of goalies. And uh, I want to start in New Jersey, actually, Elon. Um, a team that you oh, have... Oh, New Jersey, home of the best, most underrated player and amazing player in the NHL. Yes, for Brad, according to your recent retweet. Yes, thank you for mentioning the <laughs> accidental retweet that I did uh, while we were recording the show. Um, yes, yes, for Brad, a player who you've... I, as far as I know, you have no connection to prior to uh, <laughs> to this conversation. Yeah, uh, it was from my burner account, <laughs> the, okay. the tweet. At you. But actually, I was really worried because, well, not worried, but like disappointed because Ben and I were just chatting. Then Ben was like, all of a sudden, like, sort of like lost folk. You know, when you're talking to someone, then you realize like halfway through the conversation that they just like aren't listening to you. And then he was like telling me after, sorry, man, I missed what you just said because I accidentally retweeted a tweet because someone tweeted us uh, apropos of nothing, being like, guess where Brat's amazing. And then when he said that, and I have Brat on my couple team. And so when I saw that New Jersey had scored a couple goals, and I was like, ooh, did Brat just get a couple goals? That would be nice. And then I logged in and I saw like he didn't even get in on that. Them, but actually now there's been a scoring change and he has two assists now in the three New Jersey Devils goals so far. So yes, Rabat clearly is the greatest, most underrated player. And I still can't believe I got him out of free agency, Ben. You were bragging about getting Sergachev out of free agency. So I got to brag about getting Brad out of free agency, <laughs> right. right? Well, yeah, I think that it's only fair since you've never mentioned it before on a podcast. So I appreciate <laughs> you bringing it up. Uh, so wait, you wanted to talk about the Devils? <laughs> I do want to talk about Nico Das, a player who you folks mentioned on Sunday, um, getting his sixth start in seven games games in New Jersey. He is facing a little bit of a barrage from the avalanche. I guess he's getting avalanched over in Colorado. Um, And, you know, overall, his numbers aren't amazing, but that doesn't seem to dissuade Lindy Ruff, considering the competition has been lackluster in the Devil's Crease since Blackwood went down with the ankle injury anyway. Um, Daz has been solid enough to put up a couple of wins behind that Devil's squad, though. So, Elon, like, you, you see Nico Daz on the waiver wire, let's say, and you just mentioned to me earlier you have uh, a goalie, a goaltender hole in your Kakupful team, so you, you grabbed Vemelka. Um, Vemelka is a guy who's been kind of splitting starts off and on with Wedgwood. We kind of, he seems like a known quantity to an extent can certainly produce in a, uh, you know, he's, he's put up volume, uh, saves in games before because Arizona struggles with uh, shot suppression. But, uh, what do you think is Dawes kind of in that category of like Vemelka types where it's like, you'll grab them because you need a spot start and, and you might hold on because they're getting all of the starts or does he have opportunity to sort of transcend that, that stream in and out level of goalie? Yeah, I think I'd prefer Dawes over Vemelka if, if Dawes was available. I don't know, today would have been a tough ad just because he's playing against Colorado, like you said. But he's been pretty solid recently. And like you said, he's a volume guy. And sometimes it's just nice to have a goal that you could depend on that they're going to play games, even if maybe they're not going to be as reliable as others. Besides if Carol Vemelka has been like the most reliable. He's had some like amazing games. Actually, when Vemelka plays Colorado, that's when you grab him. That's exactly. when he has the that's most true. amazing game. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, obviously, uh, tier one of the cupful is tough. And Brandon grabbed Dawes last week. And I, I'll bet you he's going to hold on for a while now because he's a smart guy. 
uh, which means uh, he's not available for me. But if he's available to you, the listener, you need a goalie. And like you said, like he doesn't even have to be amazing. It's kind of like what I used to say about like Koskinen and Mike Smith at the beginning of the season when Edmonton was scoring so many goals. Like even if Dawes just has like an average game, there's a decent chance he'll get the win just because the Devils have been scoring so many goals lately. You know, even with Nico Heischer out of the lineup, they've got three against the Avs today. So uh, yeah, I think he's definitely interesting. Not, but again, like a risky start. Like anytime he plays, it is New Jersey. They haven't been great defensively, and he's Nico Dawes, not like a known quantity, but he does seem to be much better than John Gillies, and that's why he's getting all these starts lately. One more stop on our tour de force around the NHL tonight. I want to go back to Los Angeles, in fact, and talk about the goaltending there. Um, a player. You know, Cal Peterson was a guy I drafted in a few leagues. We expected good things from him. And one of the, I I think the most surprising player performance of the first half for me was Jonathan Quick. The fact that he found his game and, and took over in LA for a while was shocking to me. But since the new year, his stock has really plummeted. And Peterson looks to be emerging once again as the number one in LA, like we expected. Uh, Interestingly, the Kings have been going back and forth on their starters. It's pretty much been like a, you know, a Boston Bruins, like 2020 Boston Bruins-esque one start for each guy, back-to-backs, whatever. It's just going to go back and forth. But this past week, Peterson sparkled in both starts of a back-to-back, a 19-save shutout over the Sabres, Followed that up with a 32-save performance on 34 shots in a win over Boston. Um, I guess the only thing that I, I'm... At this point, I guess I'm wondering, are are we right to expect that Cal Peterson is the guy we thought he was preseason? His full season numbers still aren't really um, back up to what we might have expected, but he's been really solid for these past few weeks. Yeah, it honestly felt a bit like a torch passing moment. Like, it's very rare for any team to play a goalie back to back. And for LA to play a goalie on back to back games, like, they haven't done that, it feels like, in a long time, as long as, like, Quick and Peterson have been healthy. So I think this was, like, clearly a show of support. Like, you did so well with that shutout. We're going to give you the next game. And then he won that game as well. So, yeah, I mean, Quick is still there and he'll get some starts. But I think that Cal Peterson, and I'll bet you LA is, like, is loving that this is happening because they already had extended him for $5 million for the next three years. And at the start of the year, I wonder if they were thinking, oh, no, what have we done? Or maybe they had confidence in him because they, you know, you probably do some research and make sure you know what you're doing before you sign a contract like that, you'd hope. But yeah, I think at this point, I consider him the starter. Uh, If he's available in free agency, I think you grab him as a starter. Not to say he's going to be like a super high volume starter. I think Nico Dawes might play more games than Cal Peterson for the rest of the season, assuming Blackwood stays out. But I think that Peterson is like clearly the starter now and that back to back really cemented it for me. I, I regret not having asked this a minute ago when we were talking about the Devils, but are we just assuming that Blackwood is just out indefinitely? Like, is he shut down now? I, I was looking at him and, like, there's no real news saying that he's not coming back, but it really doesn't sound like he's coming back. Yeah, it sounds to me like one of these things where they just don't know. Like, they're just hoping that maybe one day he'll just feel good enough to play, but they're not going to rush him. Like, he's supposed to be their goalie of the future, and this is a pretty much a lost season. It's like a heel injury. You never even heal, hear about heel injury. I, I can't even say heel injury that easily on the podcast because I don't have much experience saying that term. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on. And my assumption is just that he's probably not going to come back. Like The latest on NBC Sports Edge has... Uh, so Miles Wood is going to practice in 7 to 10 days. 
days, and Blackwood is behind Miles Wood, and uh, so Coach Lindy Ruff said definitely Blackwood's progress is much slower. So I'm I'm not expecting him anytime soon. So that's the other reason to go for Nico Dawes because I think John Gillies has gotten a really nice opportunity to show what he can do, and he's shown what he can do, and that's not be an NHL caliber goalie. So that's again we're back to Nico Dawes, but. Uh, a very NHL caliber goalie is Cal Peterson. Go grab him. <laughs> and LA is going to be really good, I think. Uh, you know, even this year, they're looking pretty good. And I think next year and the year after, when like, you know, Byfield and Turcotte and these guys start coming into their own, this is going to be a very, very good team. So in your dynasty leagues, now's a great time to get Cal Peterson if you can. Elon, I, I'm with you there. And uh, actually, I was reading on Instagram that uh, it's really common for people who get the vaccine, their second shot of the vaccine, about three months later, their heel just like collapses on itself. So probably Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> I, oh, by the way, everyone forgot about this. whole. Remember all the drama about Tyler Bertuzzi and how he can't play the games in Canada. And then I have him in one of my leagues. Actually, I traded for him in my Dynasty League right before that news came out. I remember I was kind of like annoyed about it. And then like he's had a great season. Everything's been good. And now I'm in my fantasy playoffs. We started early because it's two-week matchups. Just for me to be reminded, hey, remember that thing about Tyler Bertuzzi? He doesn't play in Canada. And, and the, the Red Wings play in Canada like in six of their next 13 games or something Oof. like that. So it's really going to come get me right right when I forgot and got comfortable. So it's like, come on, Bertuzzi. Why? I guess like to be fair, the Wings don't need to win these games. Like They're not a playoff team. I kind of wish if, if the Red Wings were doing a little better, then maybe he would have gotten the vaccine because these would have been important games. Or maybe not. I don't know how uh, staunchly he feels about this position. Elon, oh my goodness, thank you so much for joining us for another marathon episode of Short Shift. It's always a Iron Man event when you come to join us. And uh, yeah, I guess... I'm, not, I'm just warming up. I haven't even broken a sweat yet. I don't know what you're talking about. If you call this a marathon, then clearly I'm in better shape it's than a, you. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no question there. But I mean, this is a <laughs> this is a long shift for us. You know, we, we typically, me and Lewis, we're winded after the fir- by the first commercial break. And then we're ready to go by, by minute 18. It's whew. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to hearing you and Brian go again this Sunday. And... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anything to plug otherwise? Well, I'm just going to plug a show that I'm really looking forward to, which is your next show with Lewis coming on Thursday on this very <laughs> podcast uh, network. I don't know, feed. So make sure you're subscribed to Keeping Carlson. And we'll be back to you with another episode soon. And until then, play smart, keep your shifts short. You stole my thing. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Ben, wait, stop the music. Breaking news. Jakob Verana just scored a goal. So uh, did we say that he would? I think we said that he'd be good. So I think what we agreed on was that he'll definitely score at least one goal tonight and otherwise no promises. All right. See you, everybody. Bye.